Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez, former administrative fellow and current administrative director at Mass General Hospital, located in Boston, Massachusetts. I invite you to join me as I engage with leaders in various roles across the healthcare field to gain real-life insights into their work challenges, the skills that have helped them succeed, and advice on how to get started if this is a path for you. So what are you waiting for? Let's start the journey today. Welcome everybody to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I am so excited to be co-hosting today with Carrie Maloney, who is a Senior Administrative Manager in Hospital Medicine at Mass General Hospital. Carrie and I both completed the Administrative Fellowship at Mass General, and it was always around this time that we would begin to receive questions from students who were interested in pursuing Administrative Fellowships. We thought it would be great to share our responses about some of the most asked questions that we receive, advice on the application process, and how the Administrative Fellowship has helped us in our roles today. I do want to be clear that an Administrative Fellowship is not the only pathway into healthcare administration, and I think that we would just love to share some of that insight and advice for you who are interested in pursuing an Administrative Fellowship. And so before we dive in, Carrie, can you share your journey into healthcare administration and tell us a little bit about the role that you're in? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here and talk about um, you know, my journey in healthcare administration and the administrative fellowship process. So it's interesting because I feel like this is something that I always love to know about other people when I first get to meet them is, you know, how do you get into healthcare administration? Um, for me, I actually started out on more of the clinical side of things. I was interested in becoming a physical therapist and went to school. My undergraduate degree is actually in physical therapy. Um, but right around my when I was finishing my first year of um, college, I started working for a multi-specialty practice in my, um, from where I'm from in, in New York, and um, I got to work in their marketing department, but I was working on a lot of projects on patient education, patient experience, quality and safety, and I started to realize that, first off, it, I felt like it played to my skill set, my natural skill set, um, to kind of be working more on the administrative side of, of healthcare. Um, but I think the other part of it, too, was that it also kind of made me able to impact a larger amount of patients at once coming from healthcare more from the leadership administrative side of things versus kind of that one-to-one patient experience that um, clinicians often have. And so I started looking into, you know, how can I get more involved? How do I gain experience in this area? And um, decided that I wanted to continue to at least finish off my degree in physical therapy just in case it was something I wanted to continue to pursue, um, but started looking into other areas as well. And so I came across the BU School of Public Health's healthcare administration um, program, their healthcare management program, um, and thought it would be a really great opportunity to move to a large city that is well known for its healthcare um, in many different ways. And um, I just really appreciated the way that the program was set up to really give you, you know, in-class exposure to what does healthcare administration look like, what does public health look like, as well as giving you some real-life experience by working with different hospitals in the area. So um, moved to Boston a couple of years ago, pursued my degree, and then 
when I was in my degree, um, pursuing my degree, that's when I started to think about, okay, I'm here, I'm, I'm getting ready to delve into a career of healthcare administration. And that's when people started to ask me, what does that look like? And where are you looking to go? It's a great question. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I had the same reaction. I'm like, yeah. mm, I'm like, <laughs> not sure. Should should we look into other places? And so, while I was in my grad school uh, program, I had the opportunity to work for Boston University School of Medicine in their faculty development, and got to kind of see what it was like. Again, kind of having that um, administrative experience working with clinicians, but again, being able to kind of impact. Um, at large more patients Um, so that was a great experience and then I also had the opportunity to work for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts so got to see the insurance side of things as well and so when I came into my second year I started to realize okay I've gotten to see kind of the academic side of medicine I've seen the insurance side I've seen um, you know the multi-specialty practice the real place that I'm missing experience is in the hospital side of things, which was where I was really looking to delve further into. And so uh, an administrative fellowship, as we'll probably get into further, really is a great opportunity to delve really deeply into what does hospital administration look like on the day to day. Um, So applied got into Mass General's program, and fast forward, I am now the Senior Administrative Manager for a Hospital Medicine Unit, so definitely stayed on with Mass General, was excited to do it. And I think, you know, as we'll talk about with some of the questions we frequently get asked, there's obviously no shortage of experiences I had in my fellowship that helped to kind of prepare me for my role um, in clinical operations in the hospital medicine unit, as I'm doing today. Something that strikes me is it seems like not everyone has the same pathway into healthcare. Mm-hmm. You started off having a career in physical therapy in mind, and there was experiences that you had that led you down the career pathway that you're on. So I think that's definitely a shared story mm-hmm. among those of us that go into to healthcare. So as you you know mentioned, as part of your journey, you learned about an administrative fellowship. Can you tell us in your own words how you would define an administrative fellowship for those listeners that may not know what one is? I think an administrative fellowship can be summed up as a program that gives you unprecedented access to all of the different facets of administration within a healthcare system, a hospital, multi-specialty practice, wherever it kind of, you're, you're, you know, what you're interested in. But um, it really is just like un- no experience I've ever had before with the kind of access that you get, the kind of projects that you get to do. Um, you really are in kind of like this halfway, kind of like an internship, kind of a real role kind of thing um, to really be able to get just the surreal experience. Like you said, it's really an opportunity for someone to go in there and have that access to learn about any and all things they really would like to learn about. Yeah. I mean, I also, too, I would say it's very similar to what so many of our training programs on the clinical side here are like, you know, where you kind of, you know, you want to go into medicine. Where in medicine do you want to go? It's the same thing with an administrative fellowship. Um, You know you want to go into administration in some capacity, and this is about helping you to find where you fit best. Definitely. And just so listeners have a background and understanding who should consider applying for an administrative fellowship, 
it's really geared towards students who have completed a master's level degree or are in process of completing a master's level degree. So Carrie and I both had Masters of Public Health, but I do know Masters of Healthcare Administration is another popular degree that we tend to see apply, uh, Masters of Business Administration. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple. I don't know if anything else comes to mind. Yeah, I was going to say, I know Masters of Science. Sometimes we get applicants from there as well. Um, I mean, just I, I, I feel like it matters less so on the focus area and more so kind of how you can attribute what you've been doing in grad school to why you want to go into healthcare administration in some facet. So, uh, but yeah, typically speaking, we do get like MPH, MHA programs are the most frequent ones. We say MBAs as well. Um, And I will add too that I think the other area that, you know, depending on what fellowship you're interested in, um, that can also be captured is people who are looking to make career changes as well. Um, we have seen um, that there are some programs that actually really cater to people who have several years of experience and are really looking to kind of pivot with with what they're doing right now um, or to really hone in on a different area. People coming from consulting that want to go into um, more of the administrative side of things. So, I mean, I would definitely say it's kind of it's kind of open to everyone and it's really just about finding the program that fits best for what you're interested in in particular. So, I mean, I guess it would be interesting to know, like, how did you decide what programs that you were interested in applying to? I definitely focus primarily first on geographic location. You know, I'm originally from Texas, so I did apply to fellowships back home. I had been in Massachusetts for a few years at that point, so I said, okay, I'd be happy to stick around if that was the pathway for me. And then I was also thinking, okay, if I had to do one more big move, I would go to California. So I narrowed it down to three states, and then I looked to see what administrative fellowship programs were available within those states. And I was really focused on academic medical centers. I really like how education, research, work in the community, like we do here at MGH, I really liked being part of an organization that had that as part of its mission and and had um, activity in each of those areas. The first was geographic location. Second was looking at the type of organizations in terms of what I was specifically interested in. And from there, I mean, I think it really was a matter of, you know, having conversations with people who were either in the program, looking to see, okay, how long has this program been in existence? Where have former fellows gone? Did they stay within the organization? Are they growing in the organization? Um, That to me kind of showed, okay, they went into the fellowship, had great experiences, and were able to take that experience and help them build their career within the organization they stayed in, too. I would say overall, I applied to six, and I think it can vary across the board. Sometimes I hear, you know, I don't know how many you applied to. I think I applied to, to seven. I think it also depends, too, because there are some people who, as part of their graduate programs, are required to do fellowships. And so that process may look a little bit different for folks who are, you know, obviously looking to 
complete their graduation requirements versus people who are really opting to pursue this as kind of the next step in their career. Um, I would definitely agree with everything that you've said in terms of the way that I looked about things. I think the geographic thing was really important to me because I think going into the fellowship I had or the fellowship application process, I had this mentality that I really wanted to pick an organization that I could see myself at long term. And recognizing and understanding that where you're going to be living is a huge component of your you know, mental health and wellness um, that's going to support, you know, the outside portions of your, um, you know, your career, I think is really, really important. So that was definitely something that was important to me. And um, I think also, too, what you said about looking at the programs, I personally wanted a program that had a little bit more structure. I think for listeners who are new to what the application or the opportunities look like, Um, There are a couple of different ways that fellowships are set up. There is, you know, the rotation-based fellowship, which is very much looking at defined rotations where, um, you know, the program has identified areas that they feel are important to serve the needs of the program and to be able to set you up for success in any role that you come out with. Um, And then the other option is more of a project base where you get to kind of customize what your fellowship looks like based on what your interest areas are. I think there's value in both of those different types of programs. I think for me personally, I was looking for a little bit of both. um, And that's where I think having a fellowship that was long enough to have that experience of both understanding those important rotations I needed to go through while also having the flexibility to pick up additional projects and feel like I could still get all of that done in those two years. That was really important for me and I think that was what um, was very essential to my selection of of fellowships in particular was just knowing that I was going to have that kind of uh, dual experience. Right and you're getting to the point of how and why it's so important to know yourself and to know what next step is going to be most helpful for for you mm-hmm. in terms of getting you closer to that next step in your career. So for me, and it sounds like for you too, we were comfortable with a two-year mm-hmm. fellowship program just because... I knew that I needed that time to really be able to dedicate and find out where I fit in next. But I think for some applicants who may already come with years of experience Mm -hmm. may know exactly what they want to do. So for them, a project-based fellowship where they can kind of hone in on their specific area of interest may be more beneficial to them in the long term. Yeah, and I think also having... the knowledge or at least getting a sense from the program itself about how valuable you will be as a fellow I think is really important as well and I think you know we both agree about the programs that we chose that you know a lot of fellows do stay around and a lot of fellows have had really incredible impactful experiences that has kind of developed a reputation of what's expected of a fellow and what people who, um, you know, do projects with fellows can expect. And so I think with that really opens up a lot of doors with different things that you can work on. So um, I think that was really important for me as well as I was kind of going through that process. One of the ways that we learned about the fellowship was reaching out either to current fellows and even just maybe seeing where former fellows ended up landing. So What would have been helpful for you to know at the beginning of the application process 
when you were reaching out to fellows that you wish someone would have told you then? You know, being on the opposite side of the phone, I guess you could say, as part of this process, definitely come prepared. You want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, these are people who have positions. They're no longer fellows for the most part. Their time is important. And so recognizing that you they're taking time out of their day to be able to have a conversation with you. And so coming prepared to that conversation, I think, will be really important. I think the other thing, too, that, again, being on the other side of the phone right now, is something that I'm interested in, and I think I probably could have prepared myself better to answer when I was interviewing former fellows was, like, what's my introduction look like? What is my interest in fellowships? You know, it's hard to balance that, like, while you're learning as you go of, like, why are you interested in fellowships? Why are you interested in this particular fellowship? Um, But I think it goes a long way to just enriching the conversation because now as I ask people those questions, when I'm answering their follow-up questions, I know, let me speak to this portion because it seems like that's something that's an area that they're interested in. So I just feel like it really enhances the conversation if you come prepared with some type of introduction um, to kind of share what's your what's your experience been so far and um, you know what you're interested in with the fellowship. But I always ask those two questions. Why are you interested in a fellowship? Why are you interested in the one here? Because I think it also helps, you know, to your point, tailor my responses to make sure I'm understanding what their interests are and how the fellowship would be able to provide that for them, if it is a good fit. One of the questions that I do sometimes get asked is like, what does that application process look like? My recommendation is to do your research beforehand because a lot of a lot of um, places will already post that information. And so really, it's kind of a disservice to you to ask a question that is already something that's easily available to you, um, because I think it just kind of uh, allows if you take out that question, it allows you to have another question that can be a little bit more meaningful and helping you to make a decision about whether or not that organization is a good fit for you. One of the questions that I get asked about the application process is if there was one piece of advice on what I should focus on in the application process, like what would that be? And I always tell those that are applying, the personal statement is so important. A lot of times we're getting applicants who have great resumes, come with great letters of recommendations, and not to say those aren't important, but I think the panel gets a really good look at who you are as a candidate through your personal statement. And that's usually what determines, you know, whether you move on to the next round within an interview process or if you get extended in an interview. As much as you can, really emphasize your why. What got you interested in this pathway to begin with? Is there a personal experience that you had that kind of led you in this pathway that you're in now and I think if throughout your personal statement if you're able to shed light on that and then to also explain to the committee this is why I'm interested in a fellowship this is why I'm interested in a fellowship in your organization and this is not only what your fellowship can provide for me but what I can also provide for you in return hitting those components in your personal statement is so important. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I will say, I think the personal statement for me, just so listeners are aware, I was one of the first fellows to actually get to play a role in the, um, you know, application reviewal process. 
one of the things that I had to do was kind of, you know, go through all of the applications and kind of narrow down to who I thought would be top candidates for the interview and selection committee to review. And you're all excellent students. You all come from great programs. And so for me, I barely looked at people's transcripts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, your letters of recommendation are great as well. Um, But it's really the personal statement that gets to who you are as a person. And one of the things that I, I know is a little bit of a controversial opinion to have is that I personally think that personal statements should be tailored to every place that you're applying to organizations know that you're applying to more than one place. But I think there is value in going the extra mile of tailoring, even if it's just the last couple of sentences, to that particular organization to say, I've gone the extra mile to understand why I think this is this particular program is a great fit for me and what value, to your point, what value I can bring to the organization as well. That really set people aside from other candidates where you kind of knew it was more of just the general statement that everybody else got. Again, that's not something that everybody feels is necessary, but if you're looking for a way to stand out from other applicants, for me personally, that was something that went a long way is if you could explain why a particular organization, why a particular fellowship. And again, it doesn't have to be the entire personal statement is personalized for each organization, but just that last you know, even paragraph or something, I think, just really kind of finishes everything off. Yeah, and it doesn't take too much. It really could be a quick browse through the website about maybe a program that they have or initiative that they that the hospital has been a part of that really resonates with you. Or maybe it's, you know, in the conversations that you've had with fellows and the experiences that they've had. There's plenty of ways to glean insight on the culture of an organization and what matters most to them. And I, you know, to carry to your point, if you can add that in, that is something that really stands out. We definitely look at the personal statement the most, but a lot of these applications require recommendations. And so the earlier you can get started on that, the better. I remember a lot of students going to the same professor to get a recommendation letter and at that point it does become a little overwhelming for the people who are writing the letter to kind of find out more last minute so as much as you can definitely get it on their radar sooner rather than later yeah for sure and after you've done all of this work the last thing you want is for you to get dinged because something doesn't come in on time so I would definitely echo get everything in as soon as you can your transcripts, your letters of recommendation, that's like, that should be the easy first step and really just allow yourself the opportunity to focus on the personal statement and then have that be the last thing that goes in before you submit your application just to make it easier on yourself. Definitely. You know, I'm I'm sure when we reached out to former fellows, I know a question I always asked was, what's your favorite project? What are you working on now? Or what's a memorable project that stood out to you? So just so the listeners have an understanding of what the fellowship experience was like for you. Can you share your most memorable project? Yeah. So I will preface this by saying that, you know, there are memorable projects that I've had in every single one of my rotations. I truly think that there was value in every single rotation that I went through, um, even if it was uh, catering to more of my areas of development versus kind of my strengths and everything. Um, So I definitely will say across the board, I had 
numerable amount of uh, memorable projects that I worked on. <laughs> I will also say that I was a COVID fellow, um, meaning that I was in the height of my second year of the fellowship when the pandemic hit. And so what a time, you know, to be a fellow, to be working at the hospital. Um, what I got tapped into doing, so originally I was working with the public affairs team doing all of the day-to-day communications to um, all of our employees and to, um, you know, the news sources and everything about what was kind of going on on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that was really um important for me to recognize the value in in communicating firsthand one-on-one with you know your frontline workers to let them know everything that's going on Um, but then I quickly transitioned into another area of need which was when we started to realize that we were far exceeding our capacity within our medicine units to be able to care for COVID patients we started to have it having to flip some of the other units into medicine units and bring in staffing from different areas of the hospital to be able to care for these COVID patients. So I, along with a team of of, uh, clinical counterparts, was responsible for managing all of the surge staffing on those units. So every single time we opened up, you know, a unit that was a neurosurgery unit that then flipped to, you know, a medicine unit. You know, all of the medicine doctors were already working on their units, and so we had to call in psychologists, dermatologists, gynecologists, uh, everybody, you know, surgeons across the board, and we prepare them as best we could for a pandemic that was relatively new to us, you know, and still developing our knowledge and everything about what was going on. But it allowed me the opportunity to really take ownership of something and be responsible, and I think that goes back to what I was saying before about when you're looking at organizations, look for organizations that are really going to leverage their fellows. I had friends who didn't really partake in anything that was going on in their hospital during the pandemic. And for me, that was like, MGH was like polar opposite. Gary, come over. (laughs) We're going to throw you right in here. Yes. Um, And so it was, you know, but it was an incredible experience. And it allowed me to tap into an area that I wouldn't have actually really had experience, gotten experience in through, you know, the traditional route of the fellowship. Um, And it allowed me to connect with so many people that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to connect with um, if I had kind of just been going through my, you know, traditional Mm -hmm. rotations and everything. Most importantly, it's also how I developed relationships with the team that now is my team that I work with um, as the senior administrative manager for a hospital medicine unit. So when it comes to talking about, you know, memorable projects, I think those areas where you get to develop relationships and build upon your skill set, for me, was the most valuable, most memorable aspect of it. Um, And I think it's how you're able to continue to foster those relationships as well as you continue, hopefully continue your career in that um, organization as well. There's so many things that I want to point out in what you said what we look for in fellows is exemplified in the story that you shared, which was one, being open to any opportunities that come your way and two, just diving right in and learning as you go. What your story really showed was your ability to just have that kind of go-getter mentality and be able to figure things out. You ended up getting your role in a way 
based off the relationships and based off how well you performed in the role you were placed in when you first started. Mm-hmm. I want listeners to be able to recognize that because I think those are characteristics that you could even speak to in a personal statement. When it comes to fellowships, it really is important to understand how involved you can become as a fellow. So I think if you're talking to current fellows, asking them about the types of projects they're participating in is so important because it gives you some insight into how your experience may be going into that fellowship if you're selected. So, you know, Carrie, in your example for Mass General, you were thrown right into the mix, right? Whereas it sounds like some of your colleagues and other fellowship programs didn't necessarily have that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. And part of it, I think, is because, you know, the MGH Fellowship is very, it's been around for close to 50 years now. And while there is structure to the program, there is a degree of flexibility. And so many times, I think any fellow can tell you about a unique project or experience that they've had and I think that really goes to show how invested the hospital is in making sure that the fellows get a great experience coming out of the program Um, and I think that that's something that as you as the listeners are going and having these conversations definitely be on the lookout for because I wouldn't say that's the same across the board. Yeah for sure what was your most memorable experience? I was in finance rotation at the time and one of my interests is rural health like I grew up in a very rural part of Texas and so I had always kind of had this interest and I shared that with one of the staff members who I was working with who also happened to be a former administrative (laughs) fellow and at the time he had said you know if, if that's what you're interested in actually kind of have a project that you could jump in on. It's not necessarily finance related, but it does have to do with rural health care. Basically, what he explained was he was doing some work at Nantucket Cottage Hospital. So that, in, I guess, Massachusetts terms, is what people would define as rural in this area, which was totally mind-blowing to me. Like, when I think about Nantucket, I was like, oh, this is a nice island. People love to travel there. You know, there's a lot of um, tourist spots. But I guess one of the things I didn't really recognize is it's really hard to recruit individuals to stay at Nantucket year-round. You know, summer's really nice. It's a seasonal place, for sure. Exactly. When summer's over, people leave. But people still need to be cared for, especially for those that are living on the island. And so... I got looped into some project work with him and actually got to fly out to Nantucket. We took the smallest, definitely not a plane. I don't even know what I would call it, but it seated eight people and they put me at the very front. We traveled to Nantucket. I did a tour of the hospital, got to meet the team there, um, you know, do in-depth interviews. And it was just such an awesome experience. And I think goes to show like the spirit of learning and the opportunities that are there, even if they're not necessarily embedded as part of your fellowship structure or rotation. So that's probably one of the more memorable. I mean, I will say, I feel like a trip to Nantucket is a pretty memorable experience. (laughs) I I did not get a trip to Nantucket in my, uh, I was close, but then the pandemic hit. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Oh, that is too, too good, too good. You know, the thing that the fellowship helped me the most in preparing for my current role is that it made me comfortable with 
the discomfort of not knowing how to do something off the bat. I think the fellowship, like, that's what the fellowship is. You know what I mean? People are going to be coming to you with projects that you're probably not going to have a lot of experience in, and no one's expecting you to have experience in it, but they are expecting you to put in the work and learn how to do something with you know, the help of all of your colleagues and everything. And I think that's obviously one of the advantages of doing a fellowship as well as building that network of people that you can lean on when you have questions or um, you're not the expert in that particular area, but you do know who is. Um, So I think being comfortable with new things for sure, I think has helped me in my current role because my current role has been all new things for me, you know, um, as your first role coming outside out of a fellowship, um, especially if you're someone who had little prior experience coming into the fellowship, it really is kind of like your first formal role. Um, and so there is a huge learning curve, but I think the fellowship really helps you to prepare for that steep level of learning. Yeah. And I would, what I would add on to that, I totally agree you touched on this, but then the network building that the fellowship provides for you is something I utilize to this day. Like, you know, we did the fellowship together and there's times where we call each other or we'll kind of talk through some of the work challenges that we're facing and kind of team work and think about how do we address this? How do we challenge this? And I think collaborating with others is always so much you end up getting such a better result at the end of it as opposed to just going at it by yourself. The other thing that I would add is so many times when you go through the fellowship, it teaches you to look at something and question it. Because for people that don't know, Mass General has been around for a long time. And we have a great organizations. We have employees who have been here for years because they love the culture and they love being here. Sometimes what happens, though, is we get used to the way we do things without stopping and questioning why we're doing what we do. Is there an easy way or is there an easier way to do this? Is there a more efficient way to do this? We don't really stop to ask ourselves those questions. And I think as a fellow, one of the things that I learned was when I was meeting with individuals, learning about workflows, so many times I just got the answer, you know, that's kind of what we've always done. This is what's always been in place. And I think when I get that response, it makes me think of my next question, which is, well, why? You know, is, is that the best process that's in place? And so something that I work to do, and I'm not perfect at it, like in my role, I really like to ask those questions to staff and say, let's really break this process down mm-hmm. and let's take a look at it in a way that maybe we haven't in the past. And I think when we do that, you start finding these small ways where you can make a change that actually have a big impact whether that's improving staff productivity or just like looking at the way uh, you know billing optimization like there's so many different areas that it could tap into so I think that that's definitely something from the fellowship that um, that I take and I use in my current role today yeah I mean it's it's having that fresh perspective but I think it takes it a step further by again allowing you the comfort and and having that confidence to speak up and say well why do we do things that way maybe we can consider it doing this way Um, because you're right you know we are um, an organization that has a long history and so um, things are just done sometimes because of 
they've always been done that way. Um, but that doesn't always mean it's the most effective. Um, but you also have to be mindful about how to communicate that effectively so that people hear you and actually um, are willing to make that change as well with you. Yeah, we'll have to make another episode, podca- <laughs> a podcast episode on that because that's definitely something I feel like I'm still learning and mm-hmm. definitely have not perfected, but I'm working on it. Same here, same here. <laughs> Are there any other tidbits of advice or any other takeaways you had about the fellowship that you would want listeners to keep in mind as they're going through the um, application process? The biggest takeaway for me is to pursue something that, you know, I you obviously want to do your research on and everything, but you can only learn so much about an organization from their website. So definitely, you know, reaching out to people who have been through the experience will be um, incredibly useful to you. And I think also being comfortable and recognizing the fact that you're not going to know everything about the fellowship before you get into it. And so as you're stepping into, you know, if you receive a fellowship, as you're stepping into a fellowship, be comfortable with that with the fact that you don't know everything. I remember the first six months, year of my first, you know, my first year of my fellowship, recognizing that I don't know everything and just really allowing the process to take place for you to absorb everything that you are here to learn um, from all of the incredible people that are here to support you in the process. Um, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I love that. And I guess if I were to add anything, it would just be ask questions Mm-hmm. To your point, you know, no one expects you to know everything and being comfortable speaking up and asking for clarification or why things are done are so important. I will share a piece of advice that a professor gave me when it came to applying for fellowships. And actually, I think you can take this anywhere. But my question to him was, what is something that I need to keep in mind? Like as I'm going into these interviews if there was one thing you could share with me that I need to do, what would it be? And he said, be yourself. And I walked away being like, that's not helpful. Like, like, I needed some more, like, tangible action steps. But I think why we are where we are, because it just was a great culture fit in terms of, like, Mass General was a great culture fit for me. But I also felt very comfortable being at the organization. It's mm-hmm. that two-way street that I think yeah. we always tell applicants about. Like, it's not just the organization that's interviewing you, but you're interviewing an organization and figuring out for yourself, is this a place where I can see myself growing? Is this a place where I see myself belonging? Work plays such a big part of our lives um, that I think it's important to be able to, you know, enjoy the organization that you find yourself working for and the people that you work alongside yeah and trust your gut along the the way as well you know if something doesn't feel like it's the right fit don't try to force it to fit because you know whether it's a one-year fellowship or a two-year fellowship you're in it for the long haul so you want to make sure that you're you're you trusting yourself to know whether or not it's going to be a good opportunity for you or not so true All right. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for co-hosting with me today. Of course. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.